Welcome to Sex in the Cinema, the podcast that strips down the celluloid to the real reason you watched that movie. Hi, Maggie. Hello. What's up? Nothing. I'm feeling a little weird still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had, yeah, it's uh, been an interesting ride. So today we're covering Full Frontal Favorites. So this is... Uh, these are films which cover full frontal nudity of guys. This is actually, this is going to be a two-parter series, I think, because surprisingly, we actually do have a decent amount of films to cover that are sort of iconic for their dick moments. Yeah. Um, but we are going to be covering The Brown Bunny, directed by uh, Vincent Gallo, which actually makes me have slight regrets about calling this uh, this episode Full Frontal Favorites. This film is not a favorite of mine. Maggie liked it. I liked it. We'll dig into that shortly. And then we're going to be covering the incredible Paul Thomas Anderson classic Boogie Nights. And hey, FYI, we know that's not a real dick at the end, but it's extremely important and it does count. So whatever. Um, And then we are also going to be covering Bernardo Bertolucci's The Dreamers, starring Eva Green and Michael Pitt and Louis Garrel. Um, lots to talk about there. Another thing I'm actually really excited about with this podcast is, um, we are covering two men that I have extremely strong feelings about. One I have a deep-seated hatred for, aka Vincent Gallo, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Michael Pitt, who is, uh, you know, he's my number one Okay, you know what's interesting about- Celebrity crush. That you just said this. What? That they're both Aries. I know. And they're born <laughs> one day apart. Vincent Gallo is so crazy. the 11th of April and uh-huh. Michael Pitt is the 10th. And also, guys, I recently confused Maggie's birthday <laughs> with, with Michael, Michael Pitt. <laughs> but, okay, so let's dig into the brown bunny. Yeah. Um, so this was made in 2003. Vincent Gallo had made Buffalo 66. I don't mm-hmm. remember. A couple of years earlier, which is what really put him on the map. Um, and so this was booed and panned at Cannes Film Festival the year it premiered. Short story, this guy named Bud is driving around the country, constantly engaging and then ditching women, all who have flower names. So we have like a Violet, a Lily, a Rose, a Daisy, who is like his ex-girlfriend played by Chloe Sevigny. So the entire, like, the first three quarters of the movie is just this guy driving around in a car. He'll like meet a whim of like a woman who immediately wants to fuck him. And I'm just like, what the, why, why <laughs> this whole film to me seems just like an homage to his sexual prowess. To me, I felt like obviously with like any movie there, there's like an objective, right? And to me, I have no idea what this fucking is he was grieving and I felt like it was like pretty on point for the time obviously not now when there's like more like help to be like emotionally vulnerable especially with like masculinity and like there was a lot of symbolism in it for me where like he is grieving and you get to know towards the end that he's grieving his this person that he like loved like his like first love who he wanted to like spend the rest of his life with and he's meeting the, like, symbolic younger version of her, um, which is the first girl. Violet. Violet. So he meets, like, the younger version of her. And then he goes to the older version of her, in quotes, the older woman. And it's, like, his way of apologizing. He goes up to her and, like, he kisses her. Her name is something. It's just, like... He's using her, he's, these women for his own emotional he, processing. That's not okay. But I don't... He's trauma dumping. But it's, like, a movie. So it's, like... I don't think it's, like, very... It's not so, like, intentional. It's just, like, his version of, like, talking about his, like, grief process. Instead of being so literal, like, he's literally going up... I don't know. I thought about it as just more of, like, this, like, bigger, like, umbrella of, like, the toxic masculine viewpoint and just how hard it is for these types of men to be really in tune with their emotionality. And I don't think oh, it was shit. to, like, make people... I don't think he... He's well, a complete she, and total narcissist. Well, I, obviously. Here's the thing. I think but, narcissistic art is not great art. 
narcissistic, you know, the entire purpose of, of art, be it painting or music or theater or film, is to deliver some sort of catharsis to the yeah. audience. To deliver that gift because, you're, you know, a lot of people in your audience wouldn't be able to process those emotions or feel those things or allow mm -hmm. themselves to without you putting it in front of them and feeling it for them. Okay. You know, that's how I, I think... But you don't think a lot of men saw that movie and totally completely related to it? I think so, but here's my issue with it. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get to the finale. The whole thing about this film is that Chloe Sevigny performs an unsimulated blowjob. Yeah. Vincent Gallo's dick is enormous, and I think that's part of his problem, which is a big part of Boogie Nights, which we're going to get into. <laughs> And first of all, like, I respect a perform, you know, someone, an artist who has the cajon to write, direct, and star in their own movie and yeah. produce it. Like, I have a lot of respect for that. But, and, and I also have a lot of respect for the, the audacity of the sex scene. Like, I really appreciate the realism as long as everyone's on board with doing that unsimulated. I hope desperately hope that Chloe Sevigny was okay during that, during the filming of that. It seems like she, I for, well, from what I've heard, it was her decision. Yeah. But he was also a fucking asshole about it later. So like he drove up a lot of drama around it and it hurt her career. And, um, you know, she, she, I did some research on this and she said something along the lines of, uh, you know, like, Vincent likes to stir up drama. Like, he likes to stir up hysteria. That's what he's good at, but mm. it wasn't so fun for me. To me, this man makes women's struggles about himself. So, for example, yeah. Ozzy Argento, who I also have a lot of issues with um, as a person, but, you know, when apparently he, and this was pre-Me Too, he was like, I, like... I stood up to Harvey Weinstein for her, and then she didn't say anything. She took the $10,000 settlement, and, like, why did she... And then, like, Harvey Weinstein didn't like me after that. Like, why couldn't she have just spoken up at that moment? And it's like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. This is not your experience. I don't give a shit. And what the issue I had with the sex scene was the fact that, okay, so, like, she blows him, mm -hmm. and, like, basically begs him to let her touch him again. And it turns mm -hmm. out that, like, Chloe Sevigny is a drug addict. I did laugh when she, like, went to the bathroom, like, to get high a couple times as she was talking to him. And I was like, fuck, if I was dating Vincent Gallo, I'd have to be high all the time, well, too. Well, she's trying to regulate her nervous Well, system. yeah. And, like, look at this fucking disaster she has to deal with. And my issue was it, so she blows him, then he blows her off. He rolls into the fetal position on the bed and was like, it was a really dumb idea for me to bring you over here. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Like, you think you made a mistake. Whatever. Then we find out that she got raped, mm -hmm. gang raped at a party. Yeah. And this asshole yeah. is making it about him. He's like, I yeah. don't trust you anymore. <laughs> and I was just, he's gaslighting oh, her. Yeah. He's gaslighting he, her. Why the fuck would you put that toxicity out into the universe? Well, because it exists. I don't care. It's not helpful. It's not helpful at all, and I don't think this film is trying to be helpful. Well, I think that's, it was just fine. trying to it's be just, like, and it is really fucked up, but it's like, I think, like, just trying to understand why a person does something like this, like, what happened. It's always stemming from some sort of, like, wound. You know what I mean? Some, like, deep, deep wound or something. Okay. So it was just really, I mean, it's really fucked up. It's, like, obviously not right or, like, okay. But generally, he doesn't feel like he deserves to be loved or whatever. And then he has this, like, fixation with, like, women of, like, objectifying them. And he probably also has this insane, huge, like, mother wound. Because he's, like, wanting her to, like, mother him in this weird way. But then you find out that she's she's dead. So it's like, did that scene Oh, even... I missed that. <laughs> she's dead. Okay. So it's like, he just created... Oh, is that why he woke up alone? Yeah. I thought so she just he left. Just... So that's what I'm saying. It's like his grieving process. So he just created this... 
this scenario of his way to find closure and in a masculine especially toxic masculine way that over sexualizes women that was his way of like getting this blow job you know that's his like tie or like whatever yeah and then blowing her off and then like the whole movie and then like processing like oh i'm so sorry and like going through these like really hard emotions for like a man to like go through seeing like someone that they love raped and being so afraid of that and then like running away and being a coward instead of going there and like helping save her life he's carrying all this guilt so how is and then it all makes sense of like why he's like going through the road trip and sees the younger version and the older version and hits this like grieving process for being a piece of shit essentially is what i can feel better to I mean, that's just his, his way. Ex girlfriend blow him, and then for him to curl up into the fetal position. Yeah, I mean, it just and blow her off. Why is it? Why is it helpful to him to do something cruel to her again? I, I, because he's a narcissist. He's disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. And you know, I really appreciate men who are in touch with their emotions. I'm attracted to that. I'm impressed. Like, I am... He's not attached to his emotions. Well, he's That's... emotional. He's a fucking crying in the fetal position. Well, because he's finally getting to that but grieving also, process like, if you look he at breaks, him, He plays the he's... same goddamn character he's in every not, movie. If which you is look himself. at him and... Bu- yeah, and he's a disgusting, he's horrible like, person. He's like... And working through his, I don't, I think, you know what? I am so sick of fucking sad boys who refuse to go to therapy. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Grow up. Go to therapy. Maybe his art is his therapy. No, it is terrible therapy. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying. It is terrible therapy. I just have zero respect for this man. Also, he apparently, so Roger Ebert, like, slammed this movie because he's an honest, forthright film critic. Mm -hmm. Vincent Gallo called him fat and apparently put a curse on him wishing him colon cancer. Oh my god. Did he yeah. get colon cancer? I know he died. I, I'm <laughs> oh looking this God. up. I don't think he, he got colon cancer. cancer. I think he had died from throat cancer. Oh, wow. Because I think he smoked for a very long time. But either way, he, he's insane. He's like obviously a very wounded person and does need therapy. Go to fucking but therapy. But film-wise, I don't know. I I. I thought it was an interesting perspective on, like, the grief process and, like, toxic masculinity and, like, objectifying women and then just, like, how sad it is in a society where men don't have emotional intelligence. I also, like, thought the sex scene was kind of hot. I did, too, at the beginning, but once she kind of started, like, being, like, but they want that. Yeah, but it kind of just... And it's fucked it, up. It made her... I know, it up. just made me really uncomfortable. And, like, hey, however you moan during a blowjob is, like, your your business, uh-huh. you know, totally. But in the framing of that particular scene, I thought it was problematic. Yeah, it is and, problematic. Uh, and, hey, I think his movies are well shot. I thought Buffalo 66 was a good movie. Did it make me extremely uncomfortable how he treated Christina Ricci's character throughout that entire movie. Absolutely, that's why. Yes. But also, I thought that movie had a a solid narrative to it. And, and like, when I say... Yeah, all of his movies are about being a garbage narrative. Wounded. 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 I don't give a shit. Masculine. Okay. Turned feminine. Fine, but here's the he's, and it's crazy. And when, when I say like, but he, this is what I'm saying. Is in touch this with is, his emotions. Yeah. He's no, he's not in touch with his. He's not in touch with his emotions. Just because you're crying doesn't mean that you're in touch. Right. With he doesn't know how to process. He doesn't know how to process. He does not communicate. This is the wrap of this. You have to take care of your shit, yourself, your trauma, so you can stop hurting other people. Yeah, I don't think he's Vincent Gallo. I don't think <laughs> I don't think his I don't think he's processed anything. He continues to be an asshole. And sometimes creating art helps you process. I don't think that he's healed at all. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the film. Whatever. Yeah, he I, should take his big dick and go to therapy. That's, that's everyone should take their big dick and go to therapy, yeah, especially if you have huge. a big dick. Mine's huge. Takes a lot of emotional processing have for me in therapy. <laughs> it's because my dick is so big. Which brings us to our 
our next film. Also, I watched this right after Brown Buddy, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so happy to oh, be back. Oh, I and, did like, the reverse. The joyful P.T. Anderson, Boogie Nights, uh, which it's is such one of my a good favorite. Movie. It's such a good movie. I forget how good it is. The ensemble you is unreal. Like, so we've good. got fucking Burt Reynolds, his best work, John C. Riley, Mark Wahlberg, who is amazing. He's so good. In this movie. They're all so good in he, this Julianne movie. Julianne Moore, Heather Graham, Don Cheadle, oh. fucking the king. And in my opinion, the greatest performances in this movie. And of one of the greatest performances of all time, fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman. I knew you were going to say that. He, I'm attracted to him. Okay, so Vincent Gallo has a massive dick. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's that's a big dick. It's pretty. And he is the person that he is. Mm-hmm. So. We're tight. Yes, I see where we're so going with this. We, so we, uh, basically, if you don't know the story, if you don't know Boogie Nights, it's about the porn industry in the 1970s. Uh, there's this kid named Eddie Adams who is, he's only 17 years old. Mm-hmm. He has a giant dick. Um, but he has a shit, like, piece of shit, cruel mother. Okay, so I have a thing where I think, like, his mom was, like, like, weirdly upset because his dick was so big. <laughs> Maybe when she was like, you've got that whore in your back. That's what I'm saying. And he's like, don't. There is some sort of weird sexual connotation between, like, him and his mom, I well, thought, let's talk about fight. him and Julianne Moore's and then Julianne relationship Moore, later in, uh, in the movie. Oh, totally. It's it's extremely edible, their yeah. relationship. Um, but anyway, he meets this guy named Jack Horner. Uh, who is in like sort of the king of the porn industry, um, and he's really into the art form. He's really into narrative. He's in a porn, but he's also like the story's got to be good. And like, this is based off of Dirk Diggler's true. Like, I know it's not based off a true story. It's why did I think it was based Unless off it's of Dirk John Diggler? Holmes. No, Dirk Diggler's not a real person. Oh my god, are you serious? No, oh, yeah, I'm completely serious. My god. No, he's not a real person. Both okay. the character and the dick are fake. Wow. Um, but in any case, he meets this guy named Jack Corner, played by Burt Reynolds, and basically Burt Reynolds is like this kid. I, I see. I want this kid in my films. I can see talent in this kid. It's interesting that he's already doing sex work. That Eddie Adams is already doing sex work when he's still like a bus boy at that club. Um, because there's when room. Jack Horner meets him, remember, and he's, he's like, like, do you want, like, it's, like, ten bucks. He propositions him because he thinks Jack Horner wants to... Because it's, like, penis was already famous. Totally. Well, also, like, the point about this, and I think toxic masculinity as we get into this film, is his dick is all he has. His giant penis is all he has. And as we see his character evolve through the film, that becomes more and more apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's but, all that he thinks he has, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, I forgot to mention Bill Macy in this. Bill Macy's character is like a grip or like a sound guy mm-hmm. or something on the shoots. And he, they all call him Little Bill because he has a small penis. And his wife. And his wife has just like open affairs all over the place oh, yeah. fucking people all in front of him and like spoiler alert guys turn this off if you haven't seen this movie also like just watch it it's yeah really, really we're gonna, good. also we're just gonna spoil the whole thing because this is what we're talking about movies right right so in any case um he ends up doing a, a murder suicide he ends up murdering his wife and the guy who's fucking her and himself on a new year's eve party at jack's house so symptoms anyway, of a small dick yeah well and it's like that's like the whole thing and it's like i don't want to feel like there is you've mentioned this toxic masculinity the pressure on men and like these especially boogie nights like kind of highlights i think dick size the pressure of dick size like how you know like dirk is so objective just that like your sexual organ takes more precedence than like your emotional being your mental like it's just so wild yeah And I also, I do want to talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. In yeah, this you as, do. As it, yeah, <laughs> of course I do, because this is one of the greatest performances of all uh, time. So Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is gay. And he is in love, like enraptured, in 
infatuated with Eddie. The fr- I, I would say it's more infatuation mm-hmm. um, and attraction and desire since the first moment he sees him. And again, like, Eddie, like, he's friends with him. He's like, oh, Scotty, nice. he feels cool. Like, Scotty is sort of in the... In the crowd. He's in the in crowd. Basically, yeah. he's on the perimeter, but, you know, he's he's part of the family. And that's also another thing that's so wonderful about this movie is, like, it's gritty. There's, like, you know, there's a seedy underbelly to all of this, but it's a family. Exactly. And, they, and it, there's love there. There's so much love and, there. Yeah, and I think that, like, in any, like, rough industry or, like... And, like, industries like that, like, I don't know, porn or, like, performing or even just, like, service or something, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there are these kinds of personalities that I think are, like, rejected from their main tribe. Oh, totally. This is the island of lost toys. Yeah. And then you find your your soul tribe Mm -hmm, are, like, mm -hmm. people, and they kind of represent... Yeah, and then the each person, yeah, you're, you're like Jack the family his, that you needed, like yeah. the mom, the dad, or like the brother, the sister, like Jack whatever. Is his and dad, you create these. Is his mother? Yeah, because who, you come from like this broken home. And I just think that a lot of like service people are like tend to do that. Yeah. Anyway, moving on because <laughs> I really want to get to this and keep yeah. this on track. Okay, so Philip Seymour Hoffman, his character, he's gay. There's a scene where basically, like, he's just, like, this performance, like, really shows the raw, unglamorous underbelly of pain Mm -hmm. and shame Mm -hmm. and desire and humanity. (coughs) There's a scene where he tries to kiss Dirk at the New Year's Eve party, and he just gets rebuffed. Obviously, Dirk is not gay, even though he's done some gay sex work, but that's business, you know? Yeah. And he's sweet to him, you know, he's like, I love you too, Scotty. And, like, Phil Seymour Hoffman's character is just, like, so, he's just so desperate, you know, he's like, come on, man, can I kiss you, like, on the mouth? And, like, you know, he ends up taking no for an answer a little bit, and then he gets in his car oh, yeah. that he bought to impress Dirk, and he when he's just sitting there, and he's like, I'm a fucking idiot. Oh, God, it's, it's so, so... I cried. I... I also was just trying to, like, imagine physically how that scene felt, like, from what they did, because it's, like, he does his first two lines of cocaine ever. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know if anyone's ever done cocaine, but if you, the first time you try it... Has anyone ever done cocaine? (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? But, like, you feel, like, this, like, super high, and you're, like, oh, my God, you feel so, and you're just, like, jazzed. And so it's, like, I picture him, like, coming out of that and then, like, <laughs> drunk Seymour Hoffman yeah, just being, like, like, drunk and in his feelings and just, like, these two energies, <laughs> totally just, different like, energies just, like, meeting each other and just being so fucking horrible together. Yeah. You know? It was a bad, <laughs> that was a bad sitch. It was so, and then when he goes to the car, it's just, like, yeah, so fucked up. Yeah. Oh, okay, so I do want to talk about the uh, sex scene between Dirk and Amber, where they are sh- they're shooting a pornography film. I th- I consider that sort of like the main sex scene of this movie, and what is truly a sex scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because it's it's very raw. It's um it's sexy. And, like, I remember I had a guy friend who was like, man, that scene in Boogie Nights where Julianne Moore asked her to come inside him. I mean, come inside her. Yeah. <laughs> that is, or Julia Moore asked him to come inside her. That is, damn, that's hot as fuck. And I don't know. What were what were your thoughts? Also, what the fuck did they do to his hair for that sex scene? It's, like, all greased up and parted down the middle. Oh, like some 18th so century, weird. like, butler. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought the sex scene was hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Are I just... those Mark Wahlberg's real O faces? That's what I, I want to know. Probably not, right? Because he's acting. Know. I don't know. Or the, maybe he he's... had a lot going on yeah, with his did. orgasm faces. Yeah. I, I do love that this movie also does give a lot of room for the women and what they're going through and mm-hmm. the pressures that are put on them in, in this film. You know, Julianne Moore's character, she's a mother. 
and mm-hmm. she desperately wants to see her son, but because she's had certain issues in the past and because of the industry that she works in. And because she's a drug addict. And because, yeah, she is a drug addict. Um, and we find out she's been arrested before. And uh, it's just very tragic. And she just deeply more like wants to be with her child and her lifestyle is her own worst enemy in mm-hmm. a way you know um you know there's a lot going on there and i think she was very well written let's talk about well, all of the character oh my god i want to talk about heather graham's Dude, character her... so bad I felt so much for her. Um, Like that scene when she's in high school. Also, how is she allowed to wear her roller skates in high school? Let's suspend disbelief for a second, I guess. Um, Because that would not be allowed. Um, So Heather Graham, both, she's probably around uh, Eddie slash Dirk's age. She's still in high school, I think. Um, And she's trying to take a test. And obviously, she's already been in several films. We don't know what got her there, but I'm gonna say what got her there. What like abuse? Her being a, her being abused. Her being sexually harassed because she's like obviously a very well. I want to talk about that woman and her internalizing it and then taking it externally to validate and like also like take power. Yeah, but we also can't Which assume happens. that every person working in pornography has gotten there because they were abused. Why not? Because you can't make blanket statements like that. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm, I'm not saying like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. But uh, with her character, well, I want to talk about the scene when she's taking the test in high school mm-hmm. and that fucking asshole in... Uh, in her class, like, with, like, all pimple-faced, like, turns around her, like, turns around to her and mouths, like, I love sucking. Oh, I know. And it's just cruel. And she gets so upset, she just leaves. And we find out that she never went back to high school. Yeah. And so then, just to bring this full circle, there's a scene. So later in the film, her and Jack are doing, like, this sort of porn experiment where they pick a guy off the street and he Mm -hmm. fucks Roller Girl. That's Heather Graham's name. She's always wearing roller skates. That's part of her shtick. And it's that guy from high school. Mm -hmm. Basically, they start fucking, and he's being very disrespectful. And basically, she's like, I don't want to do this, so Mm -hmm. they stop rolling. And this guy pulls, like, the classic frat boy move where he's like, man, like... If you're going to leave me with a heart on, at least you could do is jerk me uh, off. And she's like, get out of the uh, fucking car. And she ends up I like, just taken beating up, up his uh, ass with her roller skates, being like, don't ever disrespect me. Oh, yeah. It's just very powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the movie, she is getting her GD, GED. Yeah. And it's just like super moving. But anyway, back to Dirk. Um, his, like... Again, this toxic, toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. all he has is... And it's also a time period piece, too. So we have to think about this being based in, like, the 70s and 80s. Yeah, but I think men are still under pressure to... Oh, still, yeah. But even dick. more, on I mean, more unevolved yeah. than yeah. we are in our baby step ways now. Yeah. His, his character almost starts to turn. He gets super addicted to drugs, and he can't get hard. Yeah. And so he starts to lose it, like that mm-hmm. pressure. That's mm-hmm. why he freaks out at Jack, like why he ends up having his coked up hissy fit because he's like, I'm ready to shoot the scene now. I'm hard, but like my dick's hard because he knows he's not going to be able to get it up again. Yeah. You know, and this younger, non-drug addicted guy. All these the characters having dick. their like egos collapse. Yeah. Like their ego death in like some weird way. Yeah. But, um, and then there's the part of the movie where he's super down on his luck and he's trying to do sex work again. Mm-hmm. We're eventually, we're going to build up to the main attraction of why we put this on this podcast. And also, like, I forgot, because I was enjoying this movie so much, why I was here for oh. this podcast. <laughs> You're like, just yeah, like I, I completely <laughs> yeah, forgot. And, well, uh, I forgot how fucking awesome the movie was. Yeah. I was like, damn, this movie is so fucking great. It's so good. Like, I don't even care about the the fake dick. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, so Dirk, basically, like, after, a tr- you know, a bunch of, like, horrible nightmare stuff, including, like, 
being targeted and abused by homophobes and then there's this crazy scene where like he almost gets shot because he alfred molina is like this crazy drug dealer and basically it's bad so he goes to jack and he gets back into jack's good graces he is like jack i need help jack embraces him just like a father he's back in the fold so the final scene of the movie Dirk is in the dressing room and he's preparing to shoot for one of Jack's films because he's back to Dirk Diggler being the star. He's rehearsing his lines in the in the like rehearsing his lines to himself in the mirror. And then at the very end, he pulls out his dick and looks at it himself in the mirror with his dick out. And it's like, I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. Okay, guys, this dick is prosthetic because I'm not sure anyone in the world like even John Holmes or uh, Ron Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, like this dick is the size of my forearm. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, look at the length. Yeah, yeah. It's this, pretty, it really is. It's frightening. Yeah, it's like a sea creature. Do you think you'd be able to take it? I mean, sure, we'd be able to take it. I don't know. We can take anything. I don't know. But I'm just like. It's like an eel. That'd be like trying to get an eel inside. I was just of trying me. to be like, I don't even know if I would like that. I don't know either. But apparently everyone loves it. But apparently everyone loves it. Yeah. So anyway. So maybe we would. Yeah. Do you think Dirk learned his oh lesson at the end of the movie? I think he's still stuck in toxic masculinity because all he thinks his value is is his dick, which is made very, very clear at the end of the film. I don't you know, like Heather Graham. I don't know. I just went into like a crazy John Cheadle has a happy ending with Jesse, his wife. They have that adorable baby. John C. Riley becomes a magician at the end. You know, like him and Julian Moore's character aren't healed yet, or maybe that's just like what they're supposed to be doing. I don't know. Julian Moore's character. It's sad because she ends up not getting custody of her son, and she's just so devastated. So she also might be stuck because in this they're unhealed. Too many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too many things. Yeah, yeah. Too many things. Too many things. Yeah. Classic line. Uh, yeah. Spiral. But I think Dirk is almost more tragic. Yeah. I just. And I mean, there's just like a dick. lot going on in that that film, and it's about like also just being used mm-hmm. i don't know yeah and it just like i guess like i mean for the last two characters of just about them like finding more of their self-worth but maybe finding their self-worth is through performance and like them being like actors you know what i mean it's yeah. just kind of hard to tell i don't know i wonder how mark Wahlberg like put that did he just put it in front of his no, dick you or know. did it slip he over he had a fucking dick. makeup artist do that really yeah you like, have the aesthetic of course he's not putting that shit on there's so someone his that was nose deep into Mark Wahlberg's crotch. We need to talk to that person. Yeah, maybe we can bring them on as a guest. <laughs> be like, how was that? I, I like that the dick. whole movie was like, people are going to watch it because they want to see the dick because that was like the whole thing. So it like totally gro- draws in this like crowd of like, oh, you're going to see a huge dick or whatever. I don't know. But then the whole movie is just about so much like bigger and like deeper like wonderful human issues well which is why this particular film is being featured on this episode because like the full frontal is almost the fulcrum of the plot you know what i mean yeah it's 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 the big reveal it's it's and it's it drives a lot of the story Mm -hmm. you know this man's relationship to his penis and his sexuality and and how it is the you know, what gives him a sense of value and purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's just pretty tragic. Yeah. Sorry, Dirk. Yeah. Um, anyway. All right, let's move on to The Dreamers. Okay. I would argue that this film does not really have any toxic masculinity. Maybe in the years. This film is just so French. It is so French. Um, and it was directed by, yes, Bernardo Bertolucci, who also did Last Tango in Paris, which we are going to cover. Okay. There's a lot to talk about in that movie, specifically the sex scene that happened with some non consensual shit no. going on over there. So I have to look at this movie with a little bit of a. Now that I know that, I feel very different from the first time I saw it when I was in high school, mm-hmm. when I was just like, wow! Oh, wow, wow, wee, you know? Um, <laughs> wow, 
wowie. Yeah. A wowie. But, uh, you know, like, again, like, I hope everyone was okay yeah. during these extremely graphic and intimate love scenes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope all of them were okay. Um, but anyway, I was also super, so I still have this movie on DVD from when I was in oh, high school. Oh, I yeah. I was so excited to see the NC-17 MPAA uh-huh. reading. you like, was, hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and uh, also, like, do I just, I feel like I have to talk about Michael Pitt for a second. Yeah. I, when I first saw this movie, I hated him. Back when I was in high school, what? I was like, I bet, like, I hated his lips. I hated, so like, I, I was like, I bet he stands in the mirror every morning and, like, carefully puts, like, Kiel's lip balm on his li- lips and, like, kisses his own reflection. And I just hated him. And I, 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 I he grated on me somehow. But I, I realized what it is that makes me completely unattracted to him in this movie. He's a soft talker. Oh, I think... Oh. And, and, like... You're not attracted to him in this movie? No. No, he's got, like, in other roles, he's got this, like, mischievousness Mm -hmm. to him and and an edge. And it's just, like... Well, he's a dreamer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, and, you know, it's just... I don't know. <laughs> but there's a couple scenes where he delivers, which we'll get into, where I'm like, oh, yes. Um, but, but but then he, but he, I like his soft talking. And then it. he's like very, pa- then he gets very passionate. No, he does. And he's like, great, but like, brings also, on these like great the, arguments. Why the fuck does his character pee in the sink? I feel like a lot of men pee in the sink. That's disgusting. So basically, this story is uh, takes place in I think late nineteen sixties Paris. Yes, um, it's about film lovers, cinephiles. Uh, basically, Michael Pitt plays this American young American student, sort of. Yeah, abroad. he's he's studying abroad. It's studying abroad. So his name is Matthew. So he meets these two Parisian twins, uh, Theo and Isabel. Mm-hmm. They get really, really, really close. He kind of, like, moves in with him for a while. They're all the same age. And uh, it, it, he finds out as he's, you know, kind of getting... Cl- they have this very, very interior world with each other. Like, Teo and Isabel have this really interior world, and they kind of bring Matthew into it, but not completely. And that's part of the whole thing. They're like twin flames. still shit. kind of an outsider. Yeah. Um, and these twins are incestual with each other. Oh, yeah. Which he discovers. So, basically, they the three of them enter in this very bizarre dynamic and relationship and isabel yeah play these little games together like these kind of like babyish uh you know like isabel will act out a scene from a movie and if Teo doesn't guess it right, then he has to pay a forfeit, which is usually something sexual. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just, it's very toxic. It's very bizarre. It's like, it's these very kids, French. It, yeah. Well, yeah. It's and that's very, like, that's it a, now. It's all, it, it is. It's but, just like, okay, this is just how it is. Anyway, uh,. <laughs> I also wrote down, I love Ava Green. She's a powerhouse. Ah, Her character annoys me, but I love Ava Green. I think she's a spectacular actress. I think she's she's gorgeous. She's stunning. She's edgy. I I absolutely love her. But her, her, actually both Teo and Isabel annoyed me. Well, because they're supposed to, because they're fucked up. Yeah, I guess. Also, Teo is an asshole, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I wonder, like, who's... Emotional Is one of them the victim, and, like, is she the victim in this relationship? He seems to be the controlling one. She's controlling him, though, too. That's true. I feel like it's just, like, a... a it's a symbolic thing of, like, soul... Careful with the... Twins. Picking up Twin the souls. Whatever. And I feel like it's just kind of one of those more, like, not literal things and more symbolic, metaphorical situations. Yeah. Yeah, well, and also, like, this movie can be a bit highfalutin. 
I did appreciate the the clip from Freaks. One of the things about this movie is it's intercut with a lot of classic films, films and yeah. these characters sort of acting like reacting them out because mm-hmm. which I, I it's I, a very f- film nerd yes movie definitely. And if you don't like, I don't know, if you're not a film nerd, you'll probably just be like, this is weird. Yeah. So we do see two dicks. Well, we see it all. And we see, we see. Fucking... I tried pausing it. Yeah. Okay. I so couldn't we get see a good still. Louis Garrel's dick. And I also wrote down Louis Garrel has an impressive man bush. Um, they all have impressive bushes. Yeah, they do. We Did see you Michael. know someone was fluffing that shit? I don't know. Like with like a little comb oh, and hair dryer. <laughs> um, just to keep it lush. Just. Yeah. Just but, an artsy bush. Yeah. We see Michael Pitt's dick, like, up close. Like, close up in the camera. And he's half chub. At mm. that. Like, he's half hard. Oh. Half chub. She's <laughs> it, Maggie. What are you, like, you're not hip to the slang? Half chub. Uh, yeah. So, but he's, oh, like, talking about half chub. or something. Um, his dick in that scene. Also, we, I mean, Ava Green is, like, naked throughout this whole movie. We also, we also see, like, straight up labia majora. When do you see the labia majora? When she's, like, laying down and Michael Pitt is, because Teo and, or Matthew and Isabel become lovers eventually, um, and I do want to get into that main sex scene in a minute, Uh but there's, like, a scene where he's, like, kissing her on the bed and the camera pans up her body oh yeah yeah labia majora man not menorah the big you can see the big lip yeah with the bush yeah 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 and like that was i love that scene i thought it was so pretty yeah matthew just annoys me he's just speak up i like his idiot um yeah no 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 it was it was i mean it's a beautifully shot film there's no doubt about it and it looks gorgeous um, because if you think about it, every relationship that you have is a teacher. Yeah. To totally. Yourself. Michael Pitt's character, pff, Jesus, he took a master class. He did. I would say. They both did. All of them did, I think. Yeah, but I think Teo and Isabel will we'll well, get they, to it. Yeah. Um, but in any case, okay, so first sex scene, which, I, and again, there's, this is kind of like Boogie Nights, there's sex all over this movie, but there, I, I do think there's kind of like two specific scenes um, where you could, you know, you could consider them a solidified sex scene. So the first one is when Teo and Isabel are playing their little game. She acts out a scene from Blonde Venus, which is a Marlene Dietrich film um, from, I don't know, 30s, I think. He doesn't, like, she's acting out the scene. He doesn't guess it correctly. So she he has to pay the forfeit. His forfeit is, is she makes him, and Matthew is there, masturbate to a photo of Marlene Dietrich in front of her and Matthew. And, and like, she tickles his butt. Yeah, with the fucking dust. That would make me come right away. And also, dude, she is looking closely at her brother jerking uh-huh. off. Oh, yeah. Like, she is, she's there for it, yeah. so, um, yeah, anyway, so, uh, just wanted to touch base on that one, and then we're gonna get to the, wait, what did I write down? Gross. There's so many good, I just, just, there's so many crazy sex scenes. All the blood, the period. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, let's get into that. So, this Ooh. next sex scene that happens, um, Hot. is... Again, centered around one of these little sexual games. Somehow Matthew loses. I don't remember, like, what the trivia he did. Oh, I, I think he guesses Scarface wrong. He doesn't get, like, Louis Garrel uh, acts out a, a shooting in the original Scarface, the black and white one. Matthew loses, and he has to pay the forfeit, which is fucking Isabel. Uh-huh. And so, anyway. Which is not a forfeit, let's be real. Dude, well, like, he's, like, really nervous about it. He's super uncomfortable. Because he's obsessed with her. And, yeah, but, like, he's, he, they're making him have sex, and it's, like, not yeah. comfortable for him. He's trying to, like, run away, and then the two twins end up cornering mm-hmm. him in the kitchen. And... Teo, like, has him in, like, a lock hold, and, like, Isabel is, like, comes into the kitchen completely naked and is, like, stripping down his pants, and she finds, like, for some reason, this kid put a picture, Matthew put 
of like a Polaroid that Teo had of Isabel in a bathing suit, weird, in his room next to his dick. Yeah, of course. It, it, okay, like, fine. I don't get it. Um, he sexually fantasizes about it. Okay, her. but like put it underneath your pillow or something. He wanted something. it close to his D. Anyway, it looked all musty. Of course, it's next to his D. Ugh. Um, but in any <laughs> case, he uh, pulled down his underwear and like you see Michael Pitt half chub. Poor Matthew passes out because he's so overwhelmed and like freaked out. And he's like, I don't want to do this. And they're like, you have to, you have to. Like, they're being really creepy and aggressive. And he, like, wakes up from passing out. He is kind of like, okay, I'm game for this. Isabel is laying on the floor. Ready to go. And they do it. It did turn me off when he was like, you have to help me. Like, it's like, you have to help me get my dick in your... Like, dude, come on. (laughs) Like, stop being such, like, a wilting flower. (laughs) It's just, like, ugh, that turned me off so much. Like, his character is too gentle and, like, timid and, like, whatever. But, again, it's about to change. Like, we're going to see a little bit of a different side in just a mere moment. Um, They start to bang. While they're banging, and and I thought it was very realistic Mm -hmm. um, and sexy. While they're banging, Teo, like a fucking freak show, makes eggs at, at the three at the, eggs three eggs oh interesting symbolism exactly. oh cool so matthew and isabel finish fucking and it she's bleeding it turns out she was a virgin and tail like a fucking weirdo comes and like stands over her and like caresses her like boobs and stomach while matthew's still there and touches her pussy and like the sees the blood and like moves it around in his fingers a little bit and then is like pleased and leaves. Anyway, so then my favorite, like honestly, I'm all thinking that's hot. I think that's disgusting. Like, dude, I think that's hot. Get out, like Matt. Like, let her have some time with Matthew for Christ's sake. So anyway, the part that I think is hot is coming up right now. Oh, when he gets. Let me explain. Okay, so Ava Green sits up. Michael Pitt is. You know, there as well. They're looking at each other. He takes some... This poor woman. Like, everyone's just, like, shoveling up the blood from her pussy. Um, Anyway, he, like, takes some of the blood from her vagina in his hand. And he's, like, kind of stunned and dazzled that, like, she was a virgin. And he was her first Mm -hmm. and whatever. And um, she's crying, you know. And then, like, he places his bloody hand on her face and, like, goes in for, like, a... Deep French kiss, man. Oh! It's hot. Hot. Like, I appreciate a man who is so fucking into you that he will let your period blood, like, get into his mouth a little bit while he is. I mean... I mean, it's not red winging, but it's close. It's just, like, I'm sorry, it's just really sexy and Michael Pitt looks like he's a red kisser. Um, And that's when you want his lips. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so back to that scene where we're... T- so it's, like, Teo and uh, Isabel... No, fuck, Matthew and Isabel, Michael Pitt and Eva Green are, like, having sex again. And that's the scene where you see the labia majora, and he's, oh, like, yes. nuzzling her bush. Uh, but again, he's it. talking softly. Oh, like, I love Teo's it. Teo's never been inside of you. And she's like, he's always inside me. And I'm like, bro, red flag, red flag, red flag, get out Get out of here, red flag. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I do want to talk about a little bit of the gay, like the homoerotic tension between yeah. Teo and Matthew. Yeah. Um, there's a scene when they're all in the bath. Also, why the fuck couldn't they get the rights to Jimi Hendrix? Hey, Joe. I know. And they played, like, some bullshit cover. Probably which was way too expensive. Yeah, but they got, like, all the other rights for, yeah. like, Janis Joplin yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. That, that would be interesting like, to find garbage. out. I really hope it wasn't Michael Pitt's band. He has a band? Yeah, he has a band. Of course. Yeah. Is he the singer? Probably. Of course. Um, but anyway, so they're all in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. And tail uh, shotguns. Uh, a hit of a joint into Matthew's mouth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm. And then at the very end of the movie, Matthew kisses him to make yeah. a point 
uh, about love over violence. Yeah. Matthew does come at them, like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Mm -hmm. Like, what, these little games, like, you, because they try to, like, shave his pubes, and he's like, what, you want me to be a little boy for you? Like, what Mm -hmm. the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. This is weird. The twins were twin flames, so they have the same soul, Mm -hmm. and Michael Pitt fell in love with their soul. Yeah. And they are, they're, since they're the same soul, they have to be together. Mm -hmm. They can't separate. They're, like, divinely intertwined, and he was just, like, you know, his, the way he was thinking and the way his soul path is, like, able to understand that, and he ends up realizing that these two are going to be together forever, but he did have a romance with them. Yeah. The same soul. Yeah. Yeah. I just, like, it's, it, it was hard because, like, he's an outsider this whole time. Like, they never quite let him in. Yeah. Ever. And it's just, like, he kind of let himself be degraded a bit. And uh, that was just, it's... it's I think that they did let him in. I don't think they did, because remember, at the very end... Uh, So, They wanted to, but they're like, no, we can't. Well, yeah, and, like, well, and, like, I don't think, like, Teo always, like, there was always a little bit of tension between Mm -hmm. them. Not necessarily just homoerotic, Mm -hmm. but kind of, like, you're tramping on my territory Mm -hmm. a little bit yeah um so and which brings us to the end of the the movie basically so during like all of this all of you know their little interior microcosm world of incest and sex and period blood and tonguing each other playing good old tonsil hockey yeah as we would say um back in 1996 yes um is there are communist riots happening in in paris and uh teo is like a a communist but it's like also matthew kind of calls him out like do you actually believe in this yeah or are you just trying to like do you do you actually believe in this like you have the merch you have the lamp but are you just latching on to a cause. Yeah, I like how he calls him out. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people are like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, the movie ends because, okay, well, Matthew asks Isabel at one point during the movie, um, if, what would she do if their parents ever found out about Teo and Isabel's incestuous relationship? And she's like, I would kill myself. Yeah. And so, basically, the parents come home. Uh, all three of them are asleep naked in like this little tent fort that she built and they see them the parents see them and they're kind of like fuck I feel like they knew did they oh absolutely I feel like they had like like I don't what do you do as a parent in that situation I have no idea I don't know but it's like I feel like they they like I don't know I feel like it if being their parents and they were like this their whole life, that they knew that they had some sort of, like, really intense attachment to towards each other. Yeah. And, like, just, like, the anatomy of being into your hormones and a teenager. They should try to socialize adult. their children yeah. more, maybe. But it seems like also they were just, like, very absentee parents. Yeah. So, they, yeah. all they had was And the dad other. is, like, a famous writer or yeah. something, probably wrapped up in himself. But anyway, the parents see them. They leave a check. For the kids and they leave basically because they're like we can't stay here yeah isabel wakes up at some point um and sees the check so she knows her parents have been there and seen them uh she tries to poison herself with gas she pulls out a tube and attaches it well to all of them yeah all of them she pulls out a tube and tries to uh like attaches it to the to the gas what do you call it valve stove valve and uh, brings the the tube into their little tent and like holds it in front of her face. And um, one of the, the moments I do love is they intercut it with um, the Mouchette suicide scene. And I just love that movie so much. I've never seen it. It's really great. But before she can Sylvia plath them all into oblivion, um, something comes crashing through their window and yeah. you realize it's a, a riot happening um with the sort of youthful communist uprising in paris so they all go outside michael pitt's kind of like he's not into it and teo ultimately isabel ends up uh siding with teo he gets uh what do you call those uh the bottles with the thing attached to it the gas he's just like starting the, but like i don't know those, what they're called exactly uh, 
But it's just oh like, Molotov cocktail. I yeah, which is you're just, something. It's like a firebomb. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what it's so called. So he like sort of him and Isabel go to the war zone despite Matthew being like this is not this is violence this is violence like why Mm -hmm. because Matthew's like a pacifist and uh Teo goes or Isabel uh Isabel goes with Teo and uh they go sort of into the war zone at the front of uh like sort of past the uh the crowd Mm -hmm. and towards the cops and he uh Teo throws a Molotov cocktail and then the cops sort of storm towards them at that first you know um, ag- aggression and it, it ends there so we don't know what happened to Teo and Isabel and we do see Matthew walk out of the crowd and uh, leave yeah so he's fine but is he fine we don't know well, I don't know he's probably traumatized yeah by like... this experience yeah um, or he's gonna write a movie about it maybe that's maybe. what we want I don't know he needs to speak up if he's gonna <laughs> make it in Hollywood but yeah. So to conclude this episode, I am going to ask you a question. And I am going to push both of us to be as honest as possible. Love honesty. Okay. Does size really matter? Yes. Absolutely it matters. Yeah. So here's my thing. I will be completely honest and say that there is something great about a big dick. But I also have to wonder, is that some sort of social construct where we think if, okay, so obviously like, yeah, a big dick feels good, Mm -hmm. but do we, I don't know, like I have to wonder, is there some sort of social construct around them where it's like, I locked down, like, a potent man, like, this sought-after big penis, you know? A big dick is, like, a nice accessory, right? So it's, like... It is a nice accessory. So that's all it is. So it's, like, it's there's, it's just, like, I don't know. You've had sex with men with small dicks before, right? Yeah. And it's just kind of takes I guess. something... It's just not... you. I don't know. I feel like it's... Kind of like a no-go for me. Yeah, like, unless, you must be this tall to ride this ride? I mean, I don't know, unless there's some sort of accessory they could wear from time to time. God. Okay, but, like, isn't that sad? Like, think about, like, all of the, the sort of the tragedy of, like, these, these men that have been in these films we've covered, like, you know, Vincent Gallo, who has a monster penis and who obviously is a lost cause and a disaster, mm-hmm. whatever, and, like, poor Dirk Diggler, who has a giant penis and, like, that's all he thinks he's worth, and, you know, I mean, I guess Teo and Matthew, their, their dicks are not necessarily notable for their size, but they are out there. It's like normal, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that's just, I mean, I'm sure, obviously, men that have small penises that get married and have families and, you Mm -hmm. know, continue the genetic disadvantage, but what I, (laughs) yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't think I've ever, I've ever had, I don't, I don't know if I've ever necessarily had a a partner with a a very small, Mm -hmm. uh, member um but i had a friend who had sex with a guy who she said had a micro penis and she said it was the best sex she'd ever had in her whole life and like here's the thing i don't know if i necessarily have an answer to this question Mm -hmm. all i do know is that dating in this world is fucking horrifying we are reduced to impersonal algorithms and like i fucking hate internet dating so goddamn much it is so hard to find anyone and fuck maggie that's gonna pick up on the microphone um it is i i guess like the brass tacks of this are if it's the right person nothing fucking matters nothing fucking matters for sure you know um and i know that might be like Maybe I am trying to wrap this in a bow a little bit because this is a difficult topic and we've seen how much, you know, destruction this, I mean, like, let's, I mean, we both know 
well, I'm not even going to get into like what women are put under right now because that's a whole different thing um, and a horrible thing. But if it's the right fucking person, I really do think that's all that matters because if it's the right person, you're going to have amazing sex with them no matter what. It's very tender and that that's, I believe that is true too. Yeah. I mean, I have to, man. Like, it's so bad out there. Like, I got to at least believe in something, you know? Okay. Any final thoughts? Um, no, I feel like that's true. I, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. All right. Thank you for listening to Sex in the Cinema. You can find us on Instagram at Sex in the Cinema Pod. And also, feel free to reach out to us on email at sexinthecinemapod at gmail.com. Um, at some point, we're going to get our shit together to make a TikTok. Uh, Maggie will be handling that. And uh, thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>